Welcome back, everybody, to Player Track Podcast number six. And uh, I got to tell you, I'm a little bit sick, but I'm doing this for you anyway because I haven't yet done the catcher rankings. This is how much I love you guys and gals who listen to this podcast. And thank you to those of you who do. This is the first podcast of the 2010 season that hit over 3,000 listens. So I really appreciate your support on this. And I hope that you're finding it informative as well as entertaining. I'm here for you and myself. You know, let me be honest. I'm here for myself. Uh, I want to learn on the fly. I need to do my studying. I have a money league draft coming up. And I have this really big draft coming up that I wanted to announce to you guys. I'm excited about a lot of things because I have so many announcements. That's probably why I'm all over the place. And add on to the fact that if I was in real baseball, I'd probably on the be on the DL right now. Unless I was fighting for a spring training job. Because I've got like this bronchitis thing or something happening that's really uh, messing me up. And so I'll probably be pausing a lot. I was doing that in previous weeks. I did it even last week in on uh, the week before that, just having difficulty breathing, hopefully it won't be too bad for you listening. But here's here's a huge announcement. Now, some of you may have heard that Bloomberg, which is well known for stocks, you know, doing in their news, they even have a cable news channel, I believe. They've entered the fantasy baseball business with a really cool set of fantasy baseball statistics visual tools. And I was really concerned when I first heard about this actually last week. At Steve Gardner's uh, USA Today fantasy baseball blog, Fantasy Windup. And uh, I thought that they were going to be a huge competition for player track. And, and they are. It is competition. Uh, there's no doubt about that. But I think they're two different entities. Player track goes just for statistics based, a lot of numbers. And certainly Bloomberg is statistics based, but it puts a lot of focus on some really cool visual tools. I have not yet uh, been able to experiment with it. And why I have an opportunity to experiment with it, and this was the big news, is they selected six people to compete against six experts. The experts include Ron Chandler of BaseballHQ.com, Steve Gardner, uh, I've mentioned him, the blogger from Fantasy Windup at USA Today, and uh, Tim Haney of KFFL.com, and Laura Michaels of MastersBall.com. You know, some big names, and I'm I'm sure I'm missing somebody, and I'll... I apologize to the person I'm missing, other than uh, Harold Reynolds. That's the cool one, MLB.com personality. And uh, no offense, Harold Reynolds, but kind of uh, got yourself into some hot water there at ESPN. And if you ever listen to the BaseballGeeks.com podcast, uh, I think I uh, hit you hard, which gives you that much more reason to kick my butt, I guess, Harold, in the uh, in this league. But anyway, I'm in this league. There's a taxi driver. There's a 54-year-old mother. Um, there's a kid from... Japan, there's a whole set of students who are into statistics and all that stuff, I think, at Harvard. And uh, there's a grandfather and son duo as well. I mean, it's just a hodgepodge of folks, and it's really interesting. It's going to be really cool. And you'll find a link to the the Bloomberg statistics at uh, my website at playertrack.com. So check that out. In addition to We Are Live drafting, you'll be able to see the draft. I'll put up a link. And I'll probably be live blogging it at playertrack.com, so you definitely want to check it out there. And uh, that's all I have to say about that one. I'm real excited about it, so check that out if you can on Monday. Uh, The latest player track feature that I just added, uh, 
and I have to give credit where credit is due. Player track user Anthony Shipper had a suggestion that I've always thought about. I mentioned it last year, and I couldn't figure out an easy way to get the birth dates in uh, for each of the players. But the issue that he wanted, and he brought up again, was I want information on the birth dates, and I want to find players who are rule of 27 or an easy way to. Well, two things I've done. In any ranking that you look at at player track, a nice little 27 black graphic will come up that you can't miss. So you'll know the players right off on the fly that are turning 27 or will play the majority of the season as a 27-year-old in this coming season. If their birthday is somewhere you know, uh, mid-year or near the end of the year this year, they will appear as a Rule of 27 player next year. But the cool thing that I added as well is there's a Rule of 27 checkbox in the hitters and pitchers categories where you can sort players according to how close they are to their Rule of 27 year, which is a way to sort of give an extra bump, an extra proration or an extra bonus, if you will, to players who are hitting that fantasy folklore potential uh, career year, peak year, the highest year that they'll have in their career bell curve. I don't know if you believe in that, but if you do, now player track is that much more valuable for you. So check that out. Those are the announcements. Sorry for rambling so long, but why don't we take a look at the top 10 catchers in all of baseball from 2009, standard 5-5, and uh, we'll go from there. Here's a little quick teaser for you. I am going to be announcing a few playertrack.com fantasy leagues, most of which, if I'm going to be involved, are going to be draft only. And the idea will be to see your drafting skills. I'll talk about it more at the end of the podcast. There there will be one, I think probably 15-teamer that I'm going to play, probably for a cash prize. going to think about it as I get to the end of the podcast. So there's your teaser, or you can skip over if this is on your iPod. But I, what I'm going to add, this is standard 5-5. It's going to be a minimum zero at-bats from last season, but a minimum 20 games that were played last season. We're going to add in the Rule of 27 checkbox here. So it'll give extra benefit to players who are close to 27 or at 27. And we start off right off the top with the best catcher in all of baseball last season. And he gets extra added bonus because this year on April 19th, Joe Maurer is turning 27. So that means that he's now reached his peak. What's the deal with Joe? And is he a first round pick? Well, You've heard it from me before, and I'm going to say it again. And there are a lot of folks that think Joe Maurer's a first-round pick, second-round pick for sure. I can't do it. Um, I, I can't do it because he's a catcher. I can't do it because last in 2008, in more at-bats than last season, he had nine home runs. In 406 at-bats in 2007, he had seven home runs. Maurer is a hitter. Maurer is an amazing hitter. Maurer had a 370 batting average on balls in play in 2006 and 521 at-bats. He had a 350 batting average on balls in play in 2008 and 536. Last season, a 377 batting average on balls in play. The worst one that he's had in the last four years, 322 and 406 at-bats in 2007 when he hit 293. So, it's not out of the realm of possibility that he could hit as low, and it's, I feel weird saying that, especially for a catcher position, but he could hit as low as 293. Now, if he does that, 
and he goes and reverts back to half of the home runs that he had last season. He had 28 last year. And he ends up having 14, which I don't, I'm sorry, I don't think is out of the realm of possibility. Then we've got some issues with Joe Maurer, and you, you bought in the first round potentially a player who is, whilst position scarcity is a real deal, and this is the most scarce position in all of baseball, I just cannot take a catcher this early and. Uh, in in place of somebody else who is liable to be more consistent. And, you know, the first three rounds, at least, you're going to be drafting players that most of the time are pretty darn consistent. Because here's what we have. I've always said this about catchers, so it's important I say this now. They always appear in the total rankings when they're compared against all other players. Very low. Joe Maurer, in 2008, player track ranked him under proration as the second best catcher in all of baseball. So player track can tell you that Joe Maurer would have been great last year at the position, not as great as he ended up being as a general fantasy player. But his overall ranking in 2008, 184th of probably, you know, 600, 700 players. His ranking in 2009, 71st under proration among all players. And so catchers are... So 71st, if we were talking about just equal players, no issue of position scarcity, and a 10-team league, Maurer becomes, under proration, a 7th round pick. You know, that's if we just if we count 71st overall, that's in 10-team, that's 7th round. Do I think that he's a 7th round pick? No. No, I'm not going to say that because he was too good. 3rd round, yeah. But you're not going to get him then. He's going to go too high. So... If you're in a league that has the same attitude as me and he's available there in the third round, if it was me, I I probably would snag him. But it, I would do it begrudgingly in the same way that in a league last year, I picked Jose Reyes with my first pick and, and it killed me. Same thing can happen. Think of all the people last season who picked Russell Martin as a third round or fourth round pick for catcher. Now, I'll talk about him later because he's he's a pretty good option this year, I think, especially because... He has the groin problem now, so he may not start the season. And because a lot of people are down on him because he was drafted way too high last year. So again, let's continue on to Joe Maurer. And Joe Maurer's 365 batting average with a 377 batting average in Boston Plate, that's going to go down. It doesn't take a rocket scientist. He could go down some 40 points. I think we can be assured, unless he suffers from serious bad luck, at least a 320 batting average from Joe Maurer. So that's great. His contact rate went down a little bit. It was the same as it was in 2007 last season at 87%, which is still very good, uh, at least 5% higher than league average. In 2006, it was 89%. In 2008, it was 90%. He still he, he makes a lot of contact with the ball, so there's a lot to like. He had a, some uh, a, a small little handful of stolen bases, which is just extra little icing on the cake. You don't get him for that. His on-base percentage was obscenely high, and it always has been. So if you're in on-base percentage leagues, he also becomes cream of the crop here. The thing is, these 28 home runs, and I, it's just an aberration to me, and I'll have to see if this kind of stuff sticks around. Everyone thought that he, would, he had the potential for power, but he never showed it. Since 2004, when he had the cup of coffee, 107 at-bats, he hit six home runs. It was like, ah, okay. This guy's a potential hit 30 home runs. 
And then the next year he comes out and almost 500 at bats and at bats and almost hits and just hits nine. The next year 13, then seven, then nine, and then 28. I mean, all right, you do what you're gonna do. Um, but I I don't think you should draft him high, and that's enough that I'll say about Joe Maurer. Kurt Suzuki comes in at number two. Now, why he comes up a little bit higher? I think without the rule of 27, he's ranked four. I've just saw Kurt Suzuki drafted very late. You know, I, I think most folks out there are going to be well aware of Kurt Suzuki. Uh, maybe not in your league. If you're in a league with some people who are focusing more on the Victor Martinez, who, of course, I'll talk about Russell Martins and the Brian McCanns like Miguel Montero, Napoli like his power. I'll talk about these guys. They might not think about Kurt Suzuki. Kurt Suzuki will turn 27 just after the, the season ends, or around the time, October 4th of this year. So he will officially be a rule of 27 next year. So if you can get him cheap now, if that's possible in your league, to get Kurt Suzuki for $5 or under, and maybe it is, I don't think it would be possible in my money league because I get two knowledgeable players. I think, in fact, the player who got him cheap last year is probably going to keep him. But if he's available for that, he's a keeper for next year if you get him cheap. I, I There's no doubt about that. The thing about Kurt Suzuki that you look at visibly that you go, well, it's not so great, is a two seventy four batting average. But if I told you that his batting average on balls in play was 20 points below league average, he had a two eighty four batting average on balls in play last season. And his contact rate, 89%. The guy makes a ton of strike, uh, makes a ton of contact, does not strike out. And if that's the case with a guy who only 28% of the time got the ball into play when the average player is about 300, 305, you can expect it is, he has the potential to hit in the 280s for sure and potentially in the 290s. And you get that with a guy who last season hit 15 home runs. Obviously, at 26 years old, he's still young, got young knees, had 88 RBIs, and he had eight stolen bases. Two stolen bases the previous year, one in 241 at-bats in 2007. So a 15-10 season from Kurt Suzuki hitting 285 to 290, entirely possible. So whereas people will be drafting Joe Maurer in a first, second round, and you could get Kurt Suzuki in the eighth round plus, and more likely 10th round plus, well, Kurt Suzuki certainly seems like a pretty good op- option for me because he's going to do more than not kill you in the category. He's going to keep you in the pace. His overall player track rank last season, 209. You see what I'm saying? He comes in second here. His catcher rank, though, was fourth, like I said, from last season. So keep that in mind. He doesn't walk in on-base percentage leagues. He's not a super option. Had a 334 on-base percentage in 2008, it was 338 in 2007. Last season, it was 308. Probably should have been more in the 320s, but not not a, a wonderful option there. The team isn't that great, um, but he's going to be a fulcrum of that team because you know, they have Ben Sheets now. He's going to have to catch him. He's going to ha- he's Kurt. A lot's going to revol- revolve around Kurt Suzuki. They're fortunate they're going to play in the L West and might have a shot, um, but. Uh, he is a guy that I would target. I'm not going to have the ability to get him in uh, my money league for sure, but watch out in that Monday draft that I'm having in that with those experts. I'm going to be looking at Kurt Suzuki. Brian McCann comes in at number three. Brian McCann was the number one catcher uh, in all of baseball, I think going in last season. Yeah, he was. And uh, he's the third 
overall under proration without consideration of the Rule of 27 this year. He comes in third with the Rule of 27. Just a solid catcher all the way around. Nothing not to like. His batting average on Boston play was slightly below what it was in 2008 when he hit 301, but he hit 20 points below. Is the only thing that I can uh, attribute that to potentially is the fact that he his contact rate went down a full 5%. So he struck out, uh, looks like about 19 more times than he did the previous season in, uh, in actually fewer at-bats. So that's cause for concern because he presses a little bit. But, you know, the Braves just aren't the same team they used to be. But he went from 23 home runs in 2008 to 21. So 20 home runs from Brian and maybe a handful, small little handful of stolen bases, which is cool. 280 batting average. He had 94 RBIs last season, 92 in 2007, 87 RBIs. He just he is a great option for the catcher position for sure. I still would like Kurt Suzuki more than Brian McCann, not because he's going to get me better stats than McCann will, but because he's going to be cheaper. And when somebody gets McCann, they're, they're going to leave open a more valuable, say, outfielder or something out there that I can snag. So that's just my attitude. Number four comes in Victor Martinez. He was sort of, uh, well, he was worse than last year, uh, than this year's Suzuki in terms of he didn't have the hype for sure. I got Victor Martinez late in a number of leagues. By late, it was like eighth, ninth round of uh, you know 12 to 15 team leagues last season. I knew he was going to be as good as he was, and, and all the peripherals indicated that he was going to be fine. He goes into this season just turning, just before last Christmas, 31 years old. So he's a little bit out of his prime, but he is a very standard studly hitter. And uh, especially for the catcher position, as long as he's playing there, and that should be secured through next season because Kevin Euclid will get substantial majority of the first base uh, uh, starts at, in Boston for sure. The only question surrounds Victor Martinez is if, if he just becomes just a catcher and loses the position flexibility. But as far as I'm concerned with positional scarcity, it doesn't matter. I think there'll be a lot of folks out there who paid relatively cheap considering the value they got from Victor Martinez last season. And if that's the case, then I believe you absolutely should keep him if you're in a keeper league. The, key, the contract rate for him has been equally 87% both of the previous two seasons. It was 86% in 2007. So he's consistently better than league average in striking out, does not strike out that much. Uh, his batting average was 303 in 2009, 301 in 2007. He had the fall down to 278 in 2008. And I can't really attribute that to anything uh, particular, unfortunately. But the thing that I, it was a big deal for most folks, and uh, this is why you know I'm not completely down on David Wright and why I wasn't completely down on Jimmy Rollins getting some power back. People were looking at Victor after suffering the hamstring injury at the beginning of the 2008 season. It was the first game of the season. He only When he came back, he only ended up hitting two home runs through the 266 at-bats he had the whole season. People were like, what happened to Victor? 25 home runs in 2007, and then he was on pace for four? Yeah, that was scary, but it's like David Wright. David Wright's going to have 20-plus home runs this year. It's just going to happen. I look today, this is just to add an aside, at the ballpark factor for City uh, Field. And you know, out of the 30 teams in the league, City Field was ranked 12th in number of in, in home runs. So I don't think that it, it's not conducive for home runs. So sorry for going aside there, but just take note of that. because and here's a sample of a player here, Victor Martinez, with the catchers, 
who went from the four home run pace and ended up hitting 23 last season. So he is more of a 20-plus home run hitter. Everything you see in 2009, I think, is exactly what we can get. There is the potential for some regression in batting average. So if he goes down to the 270s, big whoop. Again, this is catcher. And uh, it's first base is so deep, you're going to get a great first baseman. You want to use Victor as your catcher for sure. Number five, another rule of 27 player is Miguel Montero, who had a great season for the Arizona Diamondbacks in 111 games played at catcher. He's also a great option. Very similar to Kurt Suzuki in the sense, of, in terms of the number of home runs that were hit, in terms of the uh, the batting average of 294 last season. The thing is, you know, how are we going to properly measure this guy? Is he going to be consistently that good with batting average? Well, he never was in uh, in his stint in the majors. 2007, 214 at-bats, he had 224. Now, I could have easily attributed that to a batting average on balls in play of 225. So arguably, he should have hit under standard luck in 2007, close to 290, if not 290. But then the 2008 season came with 184 at-bats, and then that sort of made you scratch your head because he only hit 255, but his batting average on balls in play was only slightly lower than last year's. In 2008, it was 323. You take a 255 batting average with a 323 batting average on balls in play, and you take his 2009 294 batting average with a 329 balls in play. Well, that's got to cause you to go, hmm, this guy could hit anywhere between 255 and 290. So you're not going to get him for assurance in, in that he would help your batting average. In fact, he could hurt it. Um, but there is he he hasn't uh, he does mix some playing time there. Uh, in uh, Arizona. And the other factor with Miguel, like I said, is this is his rule of 27 year. He turns 27 on July 9th. So around the all-star break. So half the season, he will be 27 years old. And that obviously instantly makes him more attractive. Looking at his overall player ranking graph, his proration though has always been relatively low. He went from being in the like 37th percentile among all players last season up to about 70%, almost 70%. That was a huge jump. His proration, there's no room for improvement here that I can see. The only thing that we can see here is regression for Miguel Montero, but it's a decent ballpark, rule of 27. Again, he becomes a decent option once those top four have fallen off the map. And and also Russell Martin, who I'll include later, I'll talk about him, because he comes in, he comes at number eight in these rankings. And uh, we'll talk about him a little bit later. Number six, a guy who I just, I love as a guy who's going to be mixing time, more likely than not there in uh, Anaheim. Talking about Mike Napoli, 96 starts at catcher at 18 uh, appearances at DH. So in in multi-league play, when Mike Sosha was looking for a guy who could get some pop, he put him at the DH spot and I don't blame him. Pop is the name of the game. It's Mike Napopoli. <laughs> you know, he, he you get him for home runs. 20 home runs last season. I believe he had 20 home runs the season before. And we're talking about in, the 20 home runs he had in 2008 were in 227 at-bats. Now, I, I think 20 is very reasonable for him, anywhere between 15 and 20. He did have 10 home runs and 219 at-bats in 2007. Something to take into account. The thing that really impressed me in 2008 was his ability to to walk. 
And he probably had such an ability to walk because the 20 home, being on pace for close to, you know, being on pace for over 50 home runs given a full season for Mike Napoli in 2008 probably scared off a lot of pitchers. Uh, the 273 batting average he had in 2008, I would have said, well, okay, that's cool. That's what we can expect. His 307 batting average in balls in play he had 2008, about league average. It was 301 and 219 at bats in 2007. Last season, he had a higher batting average on Boston play, 324, which resulted in him hitting 272. So it is possible that his batting average can drop down as low as 250, like it was in 2007. It was 247. It was 228 and 268. So I'm not convinced Mike Napoli is a, a 270 hitter. He is. Uh, he just turned 28 years old on last Halloween, so he will be 28 years old through this entire season, which puts him right at that peak, which is the reason why I'm not that down on him. He was thrown out 50% of the time in six attempts, so that's not why you get him, but he was three stolen bases. And a decent number of RBI and runs. I have question marks about the Anaheim Angel pitching staff, although there are some elements in there that are that could really be great, like Scott Casimir, who had an off year. I, I like Scott. Um, but the thing about the Angels that I like the most is their offense. So there's a great supporting cast around Mike Napoli. He can bring in a lot of uh, players when he uh, is out there playing. And so he is also a great option at catcher with the potential that he could hurt you in, in batting average. So just make note of that. The exact reverse type player comes in at seven. A guy, a catcher who will not hurt you at the batting average spot. And I had him in my money league last year and he didn't. But who could hit, kill you in the power? I'm talking about Yadier Molina. I still like Yadier Molina as an endgame pick for a catcher because most catchers are going to have terrible batting averages. That's an assurance you can have about, with Yadier is it's not going to happen. He did have a horrific batting average in 2006. 417 at-bats, 216. What was that attributed to? A 227 batting average on balls in play. Yadier's batting average on balls in play the last three years, 299 in 2007, 314 in 2008, 310 in 2009. Expectation around the same, which means the expectation is his batting average will be anywhere between 275 to 300. And because the last two seasons, his batting average probably averaged about 298, uh, I, I got to go with Yadier to hit close to 300. But his home run numbers... His home run numbers go like this. 2005, 8. 2006, 6. 2007, 6. 2008, 7. 2009, 6. I seem to hear that number 6 a lot. So you can expect 6 home runs from your catcher position here with Yadier, which is which is not going to be very helpful when you got other players out there like Napoli and Victor Martinez and McCanns who are going to hit over 20. But again, there aren't that many. You know, they're going to hit over 20 in this catcher position. So my main concern is just not to get killed by my catcher. And Yade is a great option there. Contact rate has always been high. Uh, it's around 90%. In fact, the average the last five years that uh, player track, let's say the average in the last six years that player track has counted Yade stats, I would say his contact rate is 90%. So that that's wonderful, especially from the catcher position. Now, here we come at number eight, talking finally about Russell Martin. And I like Russell Martin not just because I'm the Los Angeles Dodger homer that you know that I am. But the super plus with old Russell Martin 
is that he turns 27. In fact, he just turned 27 on February 15th. So we've got a rule of 27 year with Russell Martin. I'm going to click on him. And here's what I had to say on February 19th, just four days after his birthday. In the on his player profile I'm looking at right now, I said, if you liked Russell Martin in 2008, then he should be drafted just as high. And like I said, in early 2009, he was drafted like second, third round I saw. Now, I don't, again, remember, I'm just saying to folks who like to draft catcher early, if they're going to draft like a Victor Martinez earlier, they're going to draft a Joe Maurer early. Well, he should be in the mix in their consideration. He won't be. The thing with Russell Martin, like I said, is bad luck, batting average on balls in play is the tail here. Last year's stats would have been just as good with Russell's usual 310-ish batting average on balls in play. So I think he will come cheaper this year in most leagues. And what I said is I said, get him. So he is definitely a target of mine in leagues who forget about how good he was at the catcher position in 2008. Under proration in 2008, Russell Martin was the third overall catcher. Under proration last season, he was the 15th. So that was a huge drop. So what happened? Well, Russell had a drop in stolen bases. He had a 30-point drop in batting average from 280 to 250. He had a drop in his home runs from 13 to 7. And so folks were like, well, you know, now he's just not the same player. I lost, don't have a good taste in my mouth with him. In 2007, he was the number one catcher in all of baseball under proration at player track when he hit 19 home runs. I still say it's very possible that he'll hit 15 to 20 home runs. Maybe a little bit more, given that this is his rule of 27 year. The issue with him, like I said, was the batting average on balls in play. Not as many. He had 17 uh, stolen base opportunities where he stole 11 last season. He had 24 the previous season. So if he went 7 for 7 in those missing 7 outings based on the number of hits that should have gone into play that didn't, he might. I think the stolen base numbers are, are going to be very similar. I would expect from uh, Russell Martin in the coming year, 15 home runs and 15 stolen bases is a done deal. A 280-plus batting average, a done deal. For the catcher position, amazing. There's no reason for regression here with batting average, uh, certainly any further. Only progression. His uh, contact rate has been just amazingly steady and sturdy. 86% in 2006, 83% in 2007, 84% both in 2008 and 2009. So what you see is what you get here. If you're looking at a, a combination of his 2007 and 2008, and for the catcher position, that's wonderful. 27 years old, Russell Martin should be on your, your radar. Now, a player in most circumstances who should be on your radar but he now should be off, um, is Miguel Olivo coming at number nine. Miguel Olivo was signed by the Colorado Rockies in the offseason, which is great, but they have a catcher there already who has a lot of potential on Chris Iannetta. And so Miguel Olivo is going to be relegated to backup duties, more likely than not, I mean, at least split time. The thing with Miguel is he becomes, a at least in terms of power, and, and even with batting average, the potential, is very similar to a Mike Napoli player. So on that basis, if I believe that he can get 50% playing time, and I'm still not convinced of that just yet, you know, if, if I'm going to be completely honest. 
But if it appears in the spring and, and going in, if I can hear from one of the managers that Miguel will split playing time with Ionetta, then he becomes just as valuable as far as I'm concerned as uh, as Napoli. Napoli could hit as low, like I talked about, as 250. Miguel Olivo in his best days appears to be a 250 hitter. Uh, he did hit 263 in 430 uh, in 430 at bats in 2006. And Miguel is, uh, he's 31 years old. He will turn 32 during the course of the season. So he's no spring chicken, as they say. He was the 10th overall catcher under proration. Uh, but with the rule of 27, he gets bumped up uh, slightly, I guess. He's closer to 27 than, I guess, the next guy. I think I talk about Posada next, so that makes sense. His batting average on balls in play in 2008 was 311. Last season, 307 when he hit 249. 23 home runs is the name of the game here. You, know, you see that and you're like, ooh, okay, there's where I see why Rob's talking about Napoli-type proportions. 65 RBI last season. And again, the attraction that he hits in Colorado. But here's the here's the weird thing for you, is that you know, I talked earlier about how City Field's the 12th stadium in all of baseball under home runs. Uh, if memory serves, I think Colorado actually falls below that. So I'm not sure if Colorado's the home run juggernaut it used to be. It might have been more attributed to uh, the fact that maybe they humidify the balls now. I don't know what it is, but Colorado isn't as big of a home run ballpark as it used to be, so that factor doesn't... I don't take that into so much account, and especially if he's mixing time. Miguel Olivo, when he was with Seattle or when he was with Kansas, you know, and and had the 390 at-bats last season, uh, or 452 at-bats he had in 2007, 430 in 2006, it's just not going to happen. So the last sampling we had when Miguel had 267 at-bats in 2005, he hit nine home runs and 34 RBIs, only 217. That was probably a batting average in balls and play reflection. I think reasonably for Miguel, splitting time, we're probably looking at 250, probably about 15, 10 to 15 home runs. And that's a 250 batting average, by the way. And, you know, and throw in some RBIs and runs. Not incredibly valuable, but may not kill you. I would be more excited about him if he was a full-time catcher, and he's not. Jorge Posada is a guy who helped me two years ago or three years ago. My championship team, when a lot of people seem to be kind of down on him because of his age. Jorge Posada just turned 39 years old last August. Or no, sorry, 38. He will turn 39 years old this year. So the guy is at the end of his career. The nice thing that happened to him is he went from being one of the best catchers in all of baseball in 2007, as recent as that. He dropped down huge. He got hurt in 2008. And... I fortunately I didn't keep him then. I actually did keep him from 2006 when he hit 23 home runs and had a 277 batting average. I kept him, certainly not expecting that he would have this. You know, this is the 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 crazy thing about fantasy baseball is you never know when a player just out of the blue is going to get this have this lucky season. And in 2007, Jorge Posada, 389 batting average on balls in play, went came out of nowhere. I mean, in the previous seasons, we kept track in 2004. It was 301. It was 291 in 2005, 307 in 2006 when he had a great season for my winning squad in the Money League. And then 2007, 389, and then he hits 338. It's like, what? A lot of people then got him and, and got really disappointed in 2008. So he was off a lot of charts in 2009. Not on mine. I still thought he had good potential. I kept looking as 2007 and 2006. And he proved me right. 
The thing is, he only had 383 at-bats last season, so he is brittle. And uh, But 22 home runs, 81 RBIs, 285, 364 on base percentage, and a contact rate. He did strike out more, and he has the last uh, three years, so that's been falling. 80% in 2007, 77% in 2008, 73% last year. And, uh, you know, the, the playing time is falling. I still think that he maintains some value there. And again, we're talking about a, a potential end game pick with 20 home runs that you could possibly get at that uh, position. And as far as I'm concerned, you know, I'll, I'll double check as I'm talking with you and tell you if I need to correct myself, but he is slated as the starting catcher. The backup catcher there right now in the depth charts for the New York Yankees is a guy by the name of Francisco Cervelli, who I, frankly I've never heard of. Uh, looking at him uh, last season, I mean, he's, I never heard him because he's not a guy that I'm looking at. He hit uh, 298 with one home run, 11 RBIs, um, 13 runs scored in 42 games played last season, 94 at bats. So, uh, let me look up Cervelli just to give a, an additional uh, some information on the conversation as to whether he's a 298 hitter. Well, obviously with 94 at bats, it's hard to give a proper designation on anything. 88% was his contact rate, a 329 batting average on pl- balls in play, so it wasn't obscene. But I wouldn't be surprised to see Francisco, given more playing time, splitting up with Posadas being a you know 270 ish to low 280 hitter and that's just not that great doesn't see he was on pace for uh, best case scenario um five home runs maybe and that's being generous so not a guy i'm looking at i think the yankees are going to uh, enjoy some more posada and certainly the yankee stadium was the number one stadium for home runs last season so it's nice to have any player who's going to play in Yankee Stadium. Might mean very good things for Curtis Granderson, for instance. Wink, wink. So that's the top ten there. Now I'm going to look at the under the overall rankings. Let's do that under a standard five five from 2005 to 2009, and just shout out the top ten here. I only see three players of this top ten who I haven't talked about, so that'll give me some opportunity to talk about them. Joe Maurer comes in number one. Uh, this is also with uh, the categories here. Yeah, it's standard 5-5. Five five. Russell Martin comes in at number two. This is catcher rankings from 2005 to 2009 among all catchers who have had a, a minimum 150 at-bats in those five seasons and uh, under all teams and, and all leagues. So we got Maurer, number one, Russell Martin, number two. So take note of that. In the last five years, Russell Martin is the second best standard 5-5 catcher. Victor Martinez comes in number three. Brian McCann, number four. Jose Posada, number five. Old Ivan Rodriguez, who's with Washington Nationals now, comes in at number six. So I'm, I'm curious to see uh, what Washington's depth chart has for the catcher position. And Yvonne is starting, backed up by Jesus Flores. So I, I think there's a chance. Yvonne Rodriguez, you'll remember last season, got the catching record for most innings caught. And even last season, he had 425 at-bats. So, you know, the guy's still playing quite a bit at catcher. But the thing about him, whereas he used to be, you know, a 330 hitter he did in 2004 when he was the number one catcher in all of baseball. That was when he had 376 batting average on balls in play. 
He's fallen down, and last season was a two forty nine batting average on balls in play. I can actually see some upside with Yvonne, so that's nice to see. He was the 25th ranked overall catcher last season, so you know, not the same guy, not a guy I'm going after, but the 249 batting average was a, was low. It was his lowest in, in at least his modern career here in the last six years. Uh, we've been keeping track here at Player Track. Uh, it was two, his previous worst was 276 that he hit in 2005 and 2008. 249, when you couple it with a 297 batting average on balls in play, his average batting average on balls in play the last three years uh, before last year was uh, hovering around th- the 320s, I would say. So that you could reasonably bump his batting average on balls in play in normal circumstances 20 points, which means he was more likely a 269, that basically puts him in a 270 hitter, the same kind of hitter he was in 2008. So I would I would figure Yvonne will hit two sixties to two seventies. Not a stolen base threat, it seems, anymore. Went from ten stolen bases in two thousand eight to just one, and he was thrown out two times. So uh, in an end game pick with the ten home runs that he had in two thousand nine, he had seven in three uh, in three hundred ninety eight at bats two thousand eight, eleven home runs and five hundred and two at bats. Ten home runs is is entirely reasonable, but he. No, make no mistake, he's on the bottom of his bell curve. This could very well be a swan song season for Yvonne Rodriguez, so stay tuned. Number seven is Benji Molina. Molina is uh, turning 36 around the time of the All-Star break this year. So he's an old guy. Just got him in a 15-team league very late. And uh, his batting average, 265. Don't let that deceive you, though. Benji Molina, you'll see he hit 317 2008, 290. Sorry, he hit 292 in 2008. He hit 276 in 2007, 284 in 2006. His batting average on balls in play is pretty bad, so he's not a great hitter. It probably averages around 280. So he was seven points below that. He is more of a mid-270s hitter with a little bit of upside even still. On base percentage leagues, he will kill you. Doesn't walk much. But it's the home runs. You know, 19 home runs in 2007, 19 home runs in 2006, 16 in 2008, and 20 last year. And fewer at-bats than he had the previous season, 40 fewer. So the Giants have a lot to uh, to shout in happiness about with their pitching core, the youthful pitching core that I think will continue to get better. They don't have a lot of offense to help Benji, but he doesn't need it. He showed that. So... I like Benji as an option, too. I'm going to throw out my second, although he doesn't appear in this top 10. I want to see where he appears. Diana Navarro. I'm going to see where he is. He's going to be pretty low here, I think, because he had a horrific year last season. Where are you? He comes in 27th here in this overall from 2005 to 2009. I would attribute it to last season. I'm going to throw his name out just because he's my second catcher in the same league. And the reason this is, uh, I talked about him uh, in an article on batting average and balls in play. You can try and look at the, for that. It's not in his player profile. I probably should put it up there. But he had uh, the thing with uh, Diner is he had very few home runs, like nine home runs in two thousand seven, seven home runs in two thousand eight, eight home runs last season, and three hundred seventy six at bats. But the thing was that 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 people looked at was the two eighteen batting average. He hit 295 in 2008 with a 321 batting average on balls in play. 
His batting average in Boston play was 294 in 2006, 296 in 2005. It was 253 in 2007 and 388 at bats when he had 227. I will submit my belief. Look, he's not that great of a hitter. And he got lucky in 2008 when he hit 295. But I do think that his batting average in balls in play is probably more likely in the 290s if we're going to be reasonable, which means he's a 270 hitter. So a lot of folks are going to look at a 218 average last season and completely bypass him. I took him. The only issue that I was, I'm potentially scared about with, with having Darner Navarro is the fact that, that uh, he may split playing time, especially if he continues to suffer from some, um, from some bad luck. The reason for that is a nice little sleeper pick in Kelly Shopik. Kelly Shopik, two years ago, with Victor Martinez being out, you'll remember, had a breakout year in Victor's absence. And Kelly could take a lot of playing time from Diana. We'll, we'll see what happens. But the thing that I like about Navarro the most, I would say, is the fact that he just turns 26. He just turned 26 on February 9th. So we are about to see Navarro's peak. I believe that. And this could be the first year where that sort of is the aha moment. And if you get Diana for a dollar at the end game, and he has this great season where he's peaking, he might be a potential keeper for you next year. I'll just throw that out there. Uh, that's my personal feeling. Uh, I don't know. We'll see what happens. A.J. Przinski comes after Benji Molina in this list at eight, number eight. A.J. still maintains himself as a great option and a guy who you're going to get. You could very well get late. I've seen him go 20-plus rounds. 13 home runs he's had each of the last two seasons. He hit 281 in 2008, hit 300 last season. Not a huge aberration in his batting average and balls in play. It's reasonable to expect league average. I think a 280 average with 10 to 13 home runs from AJ. With uh, he's had one stolen base each of the last four years. So, I mean, you're not going to get that. But a catcher who's not going to kill you, AJ maintains his status there. He is just he just turned the end of last year. He turned 33 years old, so it's not like he's a complete old-timer just yet. And uh, number nine, Kurt Suzuki. Number 10, Mike Napoli. I'll throw in the last guy, Giovanni Soto, appears at number 11 here. He turns 27. He just turned 27 on January 20th. So it's interesting for you to note Giovanni's real 27 year. And people are going to be real down on his 218 batting average. That wasn't entirely unforeseen. A 486 batting average on balls in play that he had in 54 at bats when he hit 389. People are like, whoa, look at the potential here. And then he came out in 2008, a 285 batting average, and people still thought, woo. But his batting average on balls in play there was 337. Last season, he suffered from some bad luck of a 251 batting average on balls in play. I obviously believe that more likely 260 plus is in Giovanni's future. And when that happens, I think that we can see close to 20 home runs again. So Giovanni, especially because this is his rule 27 year, just like Russell Martin, his value should increase a little bit in your mind. And a lot of people are going to be turned off by him. I'm looking real quickly and he's going to be the last player I mentioned. If he has any major competition there, Koi Hill is currently in the depth chart backing up Giovanni. So he doesn't Giovanni Soto 27 rule of 27 year, a guy you probably can get late. And I think I'll close out there and let's quickly talk about some fantasy leagues for player track. I'm going to do three fantasy leagues related to player track. 
I'm going to need two individuals who want to be in charge of the league, essentially being a, a uh, the primary player in the league. We'll set it up with you as the primary commissioner, but I'll co-commission. I'll commission the league. I'll be commissioner of the league, and I will talk about it on the podcast. That's a promise I'm making this season that I haven't done in the past. But I... I can't participate in it. I'm just in too many and it affected my, I burned out and I don't want to do that to you guys. So I know what my limitations are now. So if you want to participate in the player track fantasy leagues, then please email me at rob at playertrack.com. I'll have prizes of free player track for the top three. Each of the leagues will be 12 team if we can get it. And I'm just looking at two to see if we can meet that demand if not, then we'll just have one. And I'm going to have one money league, I think. And that one I am going to participate in. And that will be a up to a 15-teamer, dependent on how many people we get interested. And we will put the prize money. Let's say the buy-in is going to be 100 bucks, And you'll get uh, player track included with that. If you've already paid for player track, then let me know. And we will uh, try and make arrangements, but it'll be a hundred dollar buy-in, and we'll fit it there, and it'll be via PayPal. And then the money will be taken out for the player track subscription. You'll get that full subscription, and the remaining money will be available in probably a first, second, third situation, and uh, we'll go from there. So, if you're interested in any of those leagues, Rob at PlayerTrack.com. Continue to listen here, and continue to monitor the PlayerTrack.com website for information on the uh, on those leagues take a look at me live drafting with some experts ron chandler and laurel michaels and 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 uh, steve gardner and harold reynolds former seattle mariner real anxious to be his bff i hope that'll happen that'll be really cool that's <laughs> eh, not gonna happen uh but you can watch that keep stay posted to playertrack.com to find out the link on monday the day the the draft at night will be at uh, i think it's five o'clock or five thirty. Uh, Pacific Standard Time. So stay tuned there. And thank you again for listening. I'm Rob Reed of PlayerTrack.com. Remember, draft kits are only $9.99. Full season passes, $19.99, where the updates are May 1st, June 1st, the All-Star break, August 1st, and September 1st, which will incorporate the overall rankings and the Rule of 27 stuff, all of the cool stuff that you've come to know at PlayerTrack.com. I thank you to Anthony Shipper and all of the folks, Barlow, who ask questions on the on the player profiles quite often, and to all the other folks that send me emails and things and have subscribed to playertrack.com. Thank you so much. And to those of you who listen, and hopefully you'll be back next week where I'm going to look at the starting pitchers. <laughs>